I hope you're always analyzing when you sing uh, what you're singing. Uh, and I was processing, uh, I am no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. That doesn't mean that you never have fear or that you're never, as a Christian, allowed to experience fear. It means that when you look at your anchor, when you look at Jesus, that you don't stay there perpetually. Okay, so just a, a, a note, uh, we, need to think about, we need to think about what we're singing, and then it, uh, it needs to help us uh, come out at the right end. You're probably wondering how I'm going to tie these three texts together, and, and that's actually uh, something that I'd like to do uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about intergenerational community. Uh, we've been walking through our vision statement, and we're on the last one of the four uh, today. And, and it states, grow young, engaging all generations. Now that seems, what are you talking about, grow young, but engage all generations? Well, we're going to talk about that. Uh, and the, the, the word that I'm going to say over and over this morning is intergenerational. Okay, so when we talk about growing young, we're not talking about getting rid of the people that are my age. Okay, I heard that. Uh, this, this thought of intergenerational community can be found throughout Scripture. And uh, you notice some of it this morning uh, through the reading. Uh, important to the lifelong faith formation is the primary intergenerational community of relationships that you and I foster. The faith-forming experiences for developing and sustaining faith are important. And discipleship happens as people of all ages and all generations interconnect and work together. <clears throat> uh, to enjoy a vibrant intergenerational faith-forming community, now there's a mouthful, a vibrant intergenerational faith-forming community, we have to be a welcoming community. A welcoming environment of hospitality and care that is conducive to promoting growth of faith and mutual support across all generations, everybody. Our church not only has children and teens and parents and grandparents sitting in the sanctuary, but we also have programming for each of them. We have Sunday school for kids and, of course, also for adults and youth. Uh, we have youth groups uh, that meet. Uh, we have Bible studies, etc., etc. As good and necessary as these programs are, they don't automatically foster healthy intergenerational church as well. Uh, so... It's important for us to bring our different generations together as well. And I think the key words for that are intentional and mutual. In other words, we have to be intentional. It's, it's, not, it's not just going to happen on its own. We have to be intentional. And then mutual, meaning that actually both give and both receive. It's mutual. It's across the board. It's everybody involved. And becoming intergenerational... Uh, an intergenerational church. I wish this wasn't so, but it's a process that doesn't happen immediately or automatically. It, and that's why we say it has to be intentional. Being intergenerational helps foster a feeling of belonging. You feel like you belong. Being intergenerational helps us to work together to provide the support that different families and individuals in our family need. Being intergenerational helps us to build deep relationships and experiences that foster growth and connection. 
And fostering intergenerationality means we create spaces where generations collide. We create spaces where generations collide. Now, maybe we're colliding here, but I'm thinking that this Saturday, we're going to collide, at least the men, we're going to collide even more because we're going to go bowling. And, you know, I might get a strike in the opposing lane. You never know <laughs> the way I throw the ball. Uh, but different, we have to create spaces where different generations collide, to put it that way. Failing to actively engage across generations means failing to thrive. Failing to thrive. And, I, and I'm so excited. I think approximately five years ago when, when we came back from Guadalajara, I, my stats are wrong, so don't quote me on it, but I'm, I'm guessing we had one and a half children in this congregation. Uh, like, we didn't have kids, we didn't have a vibrant youth and young adult uh, ministry going. And I'm, and I'm so excited today that actually we're thriving in, in many of those ways. And that's important. And, and, but it's also important not to just have isolated this group here, this group here, this group here. And uh, so, you know, one of the things that makes my day is when little Izzy and Alice come to say hi. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't happen because I've just turned my back on them. I notice them. Okay? We can all do that. Now, don't bombard them, please. Uh, you know, be subtle. Uh, but we have to engage. We have to engage everybody, whether they're older than you or younger than you. We engage them. Using Paul's analogy in Romans chapter 12 of the church as a body, a healthy church not only recognizes different spiritual gifts as important, but also the experience and wisdom that various generations bring to the table. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I kind of would really like it if my kids would learn from my mistakes and not commit the same mistakes. And often we just, I think that saying is, nadie aprende en carne ajena, which means nobody learns in another man's flesh. In other words, I have to make my own mistakes, right? Uh, it seems that way. Members representing different stages and ages in their faith journey ought to learn from one another. We, we ought to learn from one another, that means, but that means that we have to also share with one another. Parents and children, young and old, youth and seniors need to engage in spiritual conversations across generations. And not only spiritual conversations, but in conversation across generations. To experience authentic Christian community and reap the unique blessings of intergenerationality, the generations must be together regularly and often. Infants to octogenarians. I learned that word from Carl's birthday the other day. He's an octogenarian. Oh, that's a mouthful. When, when adults show interest in, in the congregation, show interest in young people and build relationships with them, then young people feel welcomed and valued. And the influence of adult-youth relationships continues into the college years. You uh, might be a senior like me, and, and you might think, well, those young people or those young adults don't want to have nothing to do with me. Uh, but actually, when you show interest in them, in what they're doing and stuff like that, um, that's a real encouragement. So I think that uh, children and youth need to be able to count on, on adults for support, for guidance, and for modeling. We need to discover a balance 
between age-specific opportunities and intergenerational opportunities in a time where generations are far too often isolated from one another. And this, we do this segregation thing, and we need to also balance that. From a biblical perspective, intergenerational interaction is crucial to enable Christians to move toward increasing maturity in their faith. So the question is, have we paid attention to commending the work of God to the next generation? Now I'm going to, Ethan, I'm going to read again, because now we want to look at the passages of Scripture that we've mentioned. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 to 12, and I I want you, if you have your Bibles, I hope you do, your phone, your Bible, whatever, uh, turn to that, Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 12, and what I want you to do is take note of the verbs. Okay, take note of the verbs. They're important. Actually, a sentence without a verb is dead in the water. If there's no verb, there's no action, right? And, And actually, that's why... I love the Spanish in John 1, 1, it, where it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, or in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Spanish it says, he was el verbo, meaning the verb. Jesus is an action word. He represents God in action. It's not a dead word. Deuteronomy 6, 4-12, notice the verbs. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them down on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land, that, a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of a land of slavery. The, the contrast in this passage is huge. They were slaves in Egypt with no rights, uh, a slave workforce, and they went from that to inheriting, if you will, receiving uh, this amazing gift that they had not worked for, a a, a juxtaposition of of huge magnitude. And, And then our passage says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. I believe that, that um, it only takes three generations to, uh, I, I guess, to lose a business, right? Um, the founder starts it, etc., and then the third generation kind of doesn't care. But it also takes like three generations to forget. And, and those of us who have a Mennonite heritage, um, I know my great-grandmother came from Russia with my grandma and the kids, uh, came from, like refugees, came from suffering, uh, but we forget. And, and, and my empathy for refugees today might be rather small, you never know, uh, based on, I've forgotten that I was one at one point myself, right? What are the verbs in this passage? The actions, hear, impress, talk, tie, bind, write, And of course, some of the Orthodox Jews took this to mean literally, and so they put these boxes of Scripture on their forehead and on their wrists and 
and it's a sign of how spiritual you are, uh, when actually we need to actually write it here on our hearts. So the passage says, be careful, do not forget. And, and so remembering is very important. And how do we remember if we don't talk about it, if we don't communicate? And, and that has to be done intergenerationally. We communicate so that we won't forget. Then Judges chapter 2, I'll let you quickly get to that passage. And I want you to notice the key words here as well. And notice, after Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the things, the great things the Lord had done for Israel. So while Joshua and all of the eyewitnesses that had experienced the blessings of God, while they were alive, the people served the Lord throughout their lifetime. Perfect. But then Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Harris in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After, here we go, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, after that generation had passed away, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. They didn't know the Lord, and they didn't know what he had done for Israel. They were completely ignorant of God and of what he had done. And, and you say, how is that possible? Who dropped the ball? And of course, the outcome, next verse, then the Israelites did evil in the lives of the Lord and served the Baals. I, I mean, that's the outcome. That's the logical outcome of forgetting is doing evil. So you had those that had seen. They had personal experiences. They were eyewitnesses. And the result of that seeing and experiencing and being an eyewitness was faithfulness, obedience, and serving the Lord. All positive. They had seen. They had experienced. And so they were faithful. They were obedient. And they served the Lord. So I guess, actually, even though the text doesn't elaborate on this, but, but you, you can't you can't share what you don't have. In other words, you, you can't pass on something that you don't have. If you don't have a relationship with God, it's pretty hard to pass that on to your kids. If, if the church, collectively, as a corporate body, if we lose sight of the main thing, if we, if we, we degenerate into going through the motions of religiosity, then, then what are we passing on? See, you can only pass on what you have. You can only pass on what you have. After the eyewitnesses passed on, the next generation didn't know. They didn't know the Lord, and they didn't know what he had done. They forgot. When, when I was dean of student development at SBC, there was a moment where I thought, why in the world do we have to tell students that if you're... 300 pounds, you shouldn't jump on the couch in the student lounge because the legs break off. Why? And all of a sudden it dawned on me, well, yeah, but if I raise my kids at home and I tell them this at home, that's different. 
Because every year, 50% of our student body is new. So I got to repeat this rule every single year because half of them haven't heard it before. So, so in the context of our intergenerational community of faith, this corporate family, this family of believers that are seeking to follow God, we have to repeat. We have to tell the stories. We have to, ex- we have to share our experiences. We have to listen to each other share experiences so that we do not forget. So seems to me that not only do we have prayer requests, very important, we also have to have praise items. In other words, we don't only ask, we also thank. We also say thank you, Lord, and, and we point to his goodness and his faithfulness in our lives. They forgot, and then they did evil, they served idols. In other words, they replaced the living God with wooden stone. The fruit of forgetting, the outcome of failing to pass on vibrant faith, is doing evil. Getting lost, if you will. Our third and final passage, Psalm 78, if you want to turn there with me. I want you to pick up on the verbs again. Notice the verbs, and then also uh, notice, notice the transition or the sequence. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. Okay? Things we have heard and known and our ancestors have told us. Okay, there we go. There's passing the baton. There's sharing. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach our children, to teach their children, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Telling our children so they tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God. There's the outcome again. If we do that, then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. There's that relationship again of sharing and remembering and keeping God's commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. So here's the list of verbs. Salud. Hear, listen, heard, known, told, hide, tell, teach, know, tell, trust, forget, keep. There's, there's a lot of verbs in this passage. And, and they point to this important need, this task of sharing who God is and what he's done. Intergenerationally. The sequence... We have heard, we have known, and we've been told, personal experience. And the result, we will not hide, we will tell, we will pass it on. We'll pass it on. Don't hoard, don't hoard, pass it on. 
Share your experience. Share what God has taught you. Uh, and, and yeah, obviously, when you share your experience and share what God has taught you, then you should also be listening. It's not just about me talking and you listening. It should also be a mutual, right? Mutual sharing. But what is the result or the goal? Well, trusting in God, not forgetting, keeping His commandments, and then, of course, the negative one at the end, not be stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful. I'm pretty sure none of us want to be stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful. It, it just, it's nasty. All of us want to keep His commands. We want to trust Him. We want to not forget. So as I conclude, here, here's the homework that I'd like to give you this week. Uh, beyond beyond uh, making this pile a lot bigger. Uh, and by the way, I'm here all week except Friday is my day off. Uh, so if you are worried that you'll forget uh, to bring something on Sunday, you can always come during the week. I'll be here. So here's the homework. What is something you can do practically today or this week with what you've heard? What is something practical that you can do with what you've heard? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that you won't go away this morning and say, that's half an hour of my life, I'll never get back. What a waste of time. Hmm. That'd be unfortunate. Uh, but but in, order, in order for this to actually have traction in your life and mind, we've got to do something with it. Remember last, I think last Sunday I said that the majority of North American Christians are 3,000 verses overweight. In other words, you have it all up here, but what about shoe leather? What about working it out? That's the litmus test. So what can you do practically this week? Number two, or a suggestion, you could introduce yourself to someone of another generation and show interest in them. You could, you know, maybe there's somebody of another generation that you don't know. Uh, maybe you don't even know their name. Why not walk up to them and introduce yourself to them and, and connect, okay? Somebody of another generation. There are probably a lot of other things that you could do to connect with and share your life with people of another generation, with other people in this family of faith as we walk together. You and I can do our part to make sure that every generation matters. Yeah, that's a little bit of a common phrase these days. But I like the idea of saying that every generation matters. Every life, every generation matters. Finally, you can make yourself available to mentor and be mentored by someone. I think all of us need mentors. And all of us could probably mentor somebody else that comes from comes behind us that could be mentored and encouraged. How are we going to do that? I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask Bob and Andrew and Diane to come up and we'll see if there are questions uh, on the uh, cell phone to uh, respond to. Uh, Bob and I are going to represent the older generation. Uh, Andrew will represent the, the younger one and Diane is somewhere in the middle. Nice, eh? You like that. Let's pray.
Father, uh, sometimes it's, it's amazing that this thing called ecclesia, the called out ones, the church, that this is the bride of Christ. Wow. And you care so deeply. You've even called it your bride. And, and so we, we recognize that that is also uh, a huge responsibility. And as a family of faith here at EFC, we want to walk together. We want to encourage one another. We want to help each other carry those burdens. We want to mentor and encourage one another. We want to grow together in our walk with you. So Lord, we pray that you would give us insight and wisdom, creativity, uh, and, and the will to interact intergenerationally so that we would grow together. We commit ourselves to that end in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the first one is a comment that goes with maybe your homework. This person said, I need older people to show me how, how to grow old and die well, and I need young people to help me navigate a rapidly changing world. Thoughts? <laughs> I'm the middle one, so I don't have anything to say, the older and the younger. <laughs> That didn't sound like much so, of a question. Sometimes I wish that I would have had more education and the, uh, somebody would have taught me how this is going to go. Because uh, as you progress through life, or I'm, I'm now a grandfather of eight, nobody really hmm. showed me the book on how this is done. You have to just kind of grab the bull by the horns and, uh, and run with the best that you have. And thank goodness for my partner that is uh, really good at steering me in that. <laughs> well, I think you even when you had children, you also didn't get the handbook. It was like sink or swim. Yeah. Um, so I think that there is value in learning to pass on and then leave it with an open hand. I often in my own children try to point them in the way I think they should go, but it's, it's not telling. It's encouraging yeah. and giving advice, but it has to be accepted and, and not, right? But we need to be willing to hear what the next generation has to say to us. Some of it is symptomatic of our individualistic world. Uh, and and in, in Latin America, it's, it's really quite common to have three or maybe four generations living in the same house. Uh, a, they can't afford to do it differently, and B, they, they don't necessarily think of wanting to do it differently. Uh, in, in our culture, we're, we're, again, we tend to cookie-cutter things, and, and then we pay the price for, for that. Right, this one's a bit, <clears throat> bit broader. What you spoke of this morning is about us doing stuff, verbs, to pass on faith. What is God's part in the continuation and growth of his church? That's the first question. While the Israelites forgot somehow the promises and, God, and glory of God continued, I ask this because I hear many people in despair about the young, younger generation. 
It can be easy to live in fear that we are not doing enough to pass on our faith. Okay, the first question was, what, what's God's role? Yeah. Okay, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> like that, eh? I've been following the first question just by listening up here. You know? <laughs> what is God's role? I, I mean, th- I think the idea, right, is that, um, is that as believers, we're vessels for the Spirit to work, right? So God's role is empowering and equipping and, and prompting and pushing and working through us in a way, right? Opening our eyes and showing us opportunities and, and, um, and then giving us a little kick forward when we need it, right? Like that's, um, it's, in some ways it's more nebulous and mysterious than that, but also uh, we're the tangible hands and feet of Christ, right? Like the body of Christ called to do his work in the world now. Um, so in a way, I think the God's God, the work of the role of God is to get us to to, to take take steps, right? I, I think that's um, mm. definitely a factor, and that's not all just like um, like there's a lot of encouragement and and surrounding of peace and love in that too, right? It's not just like kicking you out the door or anything, but. Um, empowering, I guess, is how you'd sum that up. Okay. I don't know. That's one version of it. <laughs> well, and I think with the despair of the this generation, that people are in despair of this generation. I remember when we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and the first thing is where a president of the United States was saying, this generation, this rock and roll, we're all going to go to hell in a handbasket because of this awful music. How long ago was that? And so I think every, we are constantly despairing of the next generation, and yet God raises up the faithful. In it. There's always a remnant. There's always somebody. And so we're despairing of something, but yet evil continues to grow, but so does faith. And so we are called to be faithful, to pass on the baton, and see the next generation go forth. Yeah, it's not a new problem. No. no. Going like, oh, this, I think... Not to shout out Nolan, but Nolan sent me a joke yesterday that was like a tablet from some like Sumerian like thousands of years ago. And it's essentially like this gener- this new generation, these kids don't know what they're doing. Like everyone wants to write a, a scroll now. Like it's just all these, <laughs> like, like, all right, okay. So like nothing has changed as far as like the perspective of the next. Sorry, yeah. I'll just call you out there. <laughs> well, I think it, that's, a, that's, a, that's always been the case, right? And yet you're, what you're saying about the rem- a faithful remnant has also always been the case. And it's up to us to keep that being the case. I, I think we have to remind ourselves. I know we, we have a cross there, and that's important. Uh, but without death, there's also no resurrection. And, and uh, today, uh, I'm blown away by the fact that there's over a million Christians in Iran. Uh, they don't have buildings and programs like this. But there's a vibrant church of a million believers plus in a country that does not actually tolerate it. Uh, so, 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 so while we lament the death of Christendom, we lament this, that, and the other thing, uh, the death of something is maybe also the opportunity for, for new life to spring up. Uh, so so rather, than, rather than just lamenting where we see things going, we need to also remember, I'm not a slave to fear, God is still alive and well, and his arm isn't short. So he's still working. Well, there are several more. This is not a question, it's a comment. 
It, I'm guessing it must be from a young person. In Sunday school, we talked about the fruit of the spirit, gentleness. And something we discussed was this quote, as well as the picture that went with it, showed us three different hands from three different generations. Gentleness requires us to recognize each other, and we discussed how we do that. Eye contact, ask, listen, hug. That's all the Good advice. Yeah. Here's the question. How do we make sure we aren't just passing on blind legalism and force the next generation to believe? Mm. I'm just reading the questions. <laughs> well, I think... Uh, <clears throat> I think there's been a been tremendous growth in, in putting legalism behind us and and opening up hearts uh, and uh, and that's what I, I I think it's it's very important uh, what's in your heart and and can you move that forward like in your children in your grandchildren can you can you love them uh, into this next future or whatever. I don't know if that yep, that's good. Uh, this is a long conversation, but we've also been, I think, poor historically at recognizing the difference between negotiables and non-negotiables. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that verse, greet each other with a holy kiss, uh, that works in Latin America. Here, I'm going to get slapped. Um, the point, the principle is that we're supposed to be hospitable and greet each other. How we do that is culturally specific, okay? So what I'm saying is that, that we, we need to figure out, like you said, how do we pass on authentic faith? And legalism happens when we tie something to cultural elements instead of being able to focus on what's, what's important, right? Well, and even passing on faith, and where is faith and what is tradition? Because that's what the Pharisees were so clinging to was tradition. And that Jesus was going against tradition. How much of our faith that we're passing on to our children is tradition? And, and yet, I, there is some value in that too, though, I think. <laughs> like, like, I mean, the Pharisees are very, um, right, they're very, they the empty tradition, right? Hollow practices. And yet, the like, bind the words of the, of the law on your forehead and on your arm, on your doors of your house, like, there's a very easy read of that going, well, that's legalism. Like, that's, you know, just looking at the words without taking into consideration the, the heart of the matter, right? Like, um, in Northern Ireland, I went, I was, the back half of my time there, I was going to a, a lot more traditional, like, Anglican church. A lot of, like, uh, like liturgy and up-down and, and specific readings and whatnot. Um, and it's not something I was used to, but it was very cool to be a part of like an old church tradition where they've like honed these kind of practices over the years and gone, these will, um, these help us to get in both the, like a mindset of, of spending time with the Lord and also like they bind us together because we know we as, as members of the body of Christ have been doing this together for a long time. I thought that was really cool. And it worked for me to help like kind of immerse me in in worship at the time 
I don't know if that's true for everyone. I mean, I, I leave for Lesotho tomorrow. I have no idea what kind of church services I'll be involved in there, right? But, but this idea of, um, it is sort of a tricky dance of like how much tradition you take and how much you leave. But um, I think maybe you're right. Like we've done pretty well, I think, with uh, in, in, in recent years with like abandoning legalism, which is mostly good, but then you lose something but, too. But uh, I'm gonna take something back from uh, being younger. Uh, hymns. Man, we sang those hymns in church, and I loved them to bits, and uh, they've kind of disappeared on us. When a hymn comes up here Sunday morning, boy, I, my heart lights on fire. I am going. And uh, that's just one of the little things of the past yeah. that, that is very dear in my heart. And uh, I don't really want that to go away. Yeah, there was four services in a row at that Anglican church where I didn't know a single song they sang. <laughs> well, there are many more questions, but I think we would be here into... Yeah, you know, maybe we'll have to just can the sermon and have a dialogue every Sunday. <laughs> wow. uh, thank you very much, all of you, and Praise Band, why don't you come up?